Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, in the wake of the um a couple weeks ago in the wake of the October 7th massacre by Hamas, um I set up a, a list as details emerged of the atrocities that the uh, terrorists had committed in Israel uh, against uh, women and children and such. Um, and so I started this list and I named it Team Baby Beheading Rapists because that's what they did. And um, and so as I came across people on Twitter, I would throw them into this list. And by the way, like they would get notified and then because it says, you know, Pete Callender put you in his list called Team Baby Beheading Rapists. And what I've. I'm now up to like, I think there's like 160 people on this list. And um, it's it's a troll. It is it is absolutely, I am trolling them. Absolutely. I don't know what is more disturbing. The people who get angry that I put them on the list. Like, how dare you? Zionist pig. That's what they call me. Because, of course, I have to be just by pointing out what team you've declared for. Um, but the vast majority of people never say a word. I find that to be, I find that to be worse, I think. All right, I'm going to play an audio clip. Um, it's all in Arabic, I believe. So, uh, I, I'm not able to, um, I can't translate it myself, but memory, which is the Middle East, Media Research Project, um, Memory TV. They uh, they've got the they've got the subtitles here. So I would do the thing like you know, TV stations or uh, the UN or NPR, and they'll play the audio underneath, you know, and they'll be like, and then I'll start talking over the top of it. But I always find that to be really annoying, you know. Like I get it, you're translating, but I have the translation right here. I've got the the subtitle, so I don't think I'm going to actually play the audio underneath. All right, I'm making an executive decision. So, uh, all right, so this is uh, one of the leaders of Hamas, and he sits for an interview. And the interviewer, I'm not sure about his whereabouts at this point, um, because the interviewer asks, many people are asking, since you have built 500 kilometers of tunnels... Why haven't you built bomb shelters where civilians can hide during bombardments? Well, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty good question, I think. Like you obviously have the ability to dig holes in the ground and connect them to things, and so why wouldn't you build some bomb shelters for the civilians? Big gathering places I mean, maybe you can move your headquarters out from under the hospitals, but you, and then you put a you know shelter in there. 
shelter in the, all the different buildings under apartments. You can make a lot of shelters all over the place. Why not just build civilian bomb shelters? And that would save their lives during this kind of an attack. I mean, because you guys are using the tunnels, right? So why not let the civilians use the tunnels too? Give them some space. His answer, we have built the tunnels because we have no other way of protecting ourselves from being targeted and killed. So they're looking out for themselves. Hamas does not care about the civilians. Doesn't matter. They're they're just going to build the tunnels so they can move around. They will not build bomb shelters for their own people. These tunnels are meant to protect us from the airplanes. We are fighting from inside the tunnels. Everybody knows that 75% of the people in the Gaza Strip are refugees. I'm not sure everybody knows that, but hang on, hang on. He then says, and it is the responsibility of the United Nations to protect them. According to the Geneva Conventions, it is the responsibility of the occupation of the occupation, what occupation? Oh, to provide them with all the services as long as they are under occupation. That's it. That's that is a full admission to a couple things. Number one. They do not view themselves as caretakers of the Palestinian people. They're not the protectors of the Palestinian people, right? They believe that's somebody else's job. The U.N. is supposed to, what, come in and build the bomb shelters in your tunnel system? Or is it, is it got to be a separate tunnel system or what? Who do, you, who, who do you think would be, or the occupation? So you want the Israelis to come in and build the bomb shelters. But also he admits, what else? That they are, in fact, using the tunnels to wage war, right? Which, of course, they are. I know this sounds remedial to anybody that has any, you know, understanding of, of Hamas and this, you know, 70-year-old issue. But, yeah, Hamas's sole purpose is to kill Jews and to eliminate the country of Palestine or the, uh, of uh, Israel and create a Palestine. That's, that's it. That's the only mission. And it is very lucrative for Hamas. NBC News had a big write-up the other day, over the weekend, about uh, the amount of money that Hamas has amassed. The unemployment rate in Gaza is 47%, and more than 80% of its population lives in poverty, according to the United Nations. Hamas, however, has funded an armed force of thousands equipped with rockets and drones and built a vast web of tunnels under Gaza. Estimates of its annual military budget range from $100 million to $350 million, again, per year. Since coming to power in the Gaza Strip 17 years ago, Hamas has filled its coffers with hundreds of millions in international aid, overt and covert injections of cash from Iran and other ideological partners, as well as cryptocurrency, taxes, extortion, and smuggling, all according to current and former U.S. officials and regional experts. Much of the money is public and legal, including large sums of financial aid from Qatar via the United Nations. This is an arrangement that was encouraged and approved 
by Israel. This is where the line comes that Israel created Hamas. They did not create Hamas. However, this is what people will talk about. And they're like, oh, they were funding them. NBC News took a, uh, a deep dive into Hamas's funding. Where is it getting all of this money? How has it been buying all these weapons and such? How do you afford to do the things it's doing? So much of the money is public and legal. Some of it is less than legal, according to experts. In addition to levying taxes on Gaza's businesses and residents, Hamas imposes unofficial fees on smuggled goods and other activity for a combined income of up to $450 million per year. Hamas also has real estate and other investments around the globe, despite international restrictions, and uses cryptocurrency to mask some of its transactions. Go on to say later here, in addition to Iran's support, Hamas has long relied on funds from other ideological allies, including private donations and groups in Turkey, Kuwait, oh, sorry, uh, Turkey, I think is how they want to pronounce now, Kuwait and Malaysia. After Israel withdrew from Gaza in 2005, Hamas gained another major benefactor, the Qatari government. Hamas won an election over Fatah, the Palestinian ruling party, in early 2006, in part because residents believed the existing authorities could not be trusted to administer funds properly. So, uh, you know what, let's put these guys in charge instead. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're all about jihad and everything, but who knows? I mean, how could it be worse? Hamas ultimately seized complete control of Gaza and has ruled without an election since 2007. (gasps) I am shocked. As conditions continue to deteriorate for residents of the enclave, Israel, the U.S., and the international community turned to gas-rich Qatar to prevent a humanitarian catastrophe. Qatari officials began carrying millions of dollars in cash in suitcases through the Erez border, in, uh, border crossing into Gaza from Israel with the permission of the Israeli government. Why would they do that? For Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who has been in power for much of the time after Hamas began ruling Gaza, the policy was meant to bring some degree of stability to Gaza and bolster Israel's security. The idea here was, right, you give them the financial assistance and they begin building a better society. Yeah, they didn't do that. It helped fuel the bitter rivalry between Hamas and Fatah, which continued to govern the occupied West Bank. That's where Fatah is. Under the arrangement between 2012 and 2021, so over the course of what, nine years, Qatar provided $1.49 billion in financial aid to support projects for Palestinian civilians. That's what a Qatari official said. It was totally for civilians. And then they got a quote from the super smart Marxist, our former CIA director, John Brennan. Quote, I think there was broad recognition that the situation in Gaza was pretty awful. There needed to be some flow of funds from somewhere, and Qatar had the financial wherewithal to do that. Naomi Newman, former head of research for Shin Bet, 
which is Israel's internal security force, said, quote, we didn't find any other way to finance this and we didn't want a humanitarian crisis. Worst genociders ever. My gosh. Really, if you're trying to if you're trying to wipe out an entire population, why are you giving them all this money? Giving them electricity and food and water. What's the deal with that? You guys, I'm starting to think I'm starting to think that you're not so great at the ethnic cleansing. I mean, think about this. The argument being made right now as Israel has gone into their ground campaign now into Gaza this weekend that the bombings and all and there are civilians that are being brutalized absolutely by the by the ordinance Israel told them to get out they didn't get out they stayed for whatever reason and a lot of them are dying and that is tragic but Israel tried to save them Israel tried to give them money, tried to give them food, tried to give them water, tried to give them all the things they needed so they could they could survive and maybe even build a Singapore uh, on the Mediterranean. And they bought rockets, paragliders, weapons, grenades. This was the path that Hamas chose. The biggest brutalizers of the Palestinian people are Hamas. Mohammed Shahada is a Gaza-born... Should I, I've been wrestling with this. Do I go with Gaza or do I go with Gaza? 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 I don't know. Sometimes it just feels, it feels right to say it Gaza, and sometimes it, it, it doesn't feel right. Anyway, Mohammed Shahada, a Gaza-born Palestinian analyst and writer rejects claims that aid has been diverted by Hamas. It's not happening. He points to a 2017 Australian government probe that found no evidence that taxpayer money was misused by the NGO World Vision. Non-governmental organization, NGO, these are the, the whole cottage industry of like these nonprofit groups that just suck up all the grant money from international organizations, right? Um and this one's called World Vision. This has been operating in the Gaza Strip. There were allegations by Israel that Hamas had siphoned off millions of dollars a year from the charity to go to the, uh, to the Islamist group. But skeptics say the UN was unable to exercise strict control over how the money was allocated and that it enabled Hamas to use tax revenue and other funds to build up its military arm. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Hang on a second. Are you telling me that funds are fungible? Are you saying that that Hamas, with its, quote, militant wing, right, versus the, the political wing and the never the, the two shall cooperate on anything whatsoever? Hmm. I mean, this would be huge news if this was true, right, that, that the, the money could flow back and forth between the different arms or wings of the of the terrorist organization i'm just astounded all the funds were supposed to go to the public most of it went to their military capability after its takeover of gaza hamas also quote developed the capability to tax and extort that according to Matthew Levitt, who worked as a senior treasury official focusing on countering terrorist financial networks 
Hamas began to rake in taxes and kickbacks from salaries, sale of goods and smuggling, a sum that now reaches up to $300 million to maybe $450 million a year, said Levitt. Now at the uh, Washington Institute for Near East Policy, that's a think tank. Although the U.S. and the European Union have designated Hamas as a terrorist organization, they're not effectively cut off from the international financial system, said Hans Jakob Schindler, senior director of the Counter-Extremism Project. He said they actually are able to invest funds in companies and in real estate. Hamas's leadership has invested its income in an international investment portfolio worth $500 million in real estate and other assets from companies in Algeria, Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Turkey, and the, sorry, Turkey, and the United Arab Emirates, which it uses to conceal and launder its money. That according to a U.S. Treasury Department announcement. Once again, I just feel the need to point this out. Worst open-air prison ever. How can you run an open-air prison like this and have all this money just getting siphoned out, going into the pockets of the... Have you seen these reports, too? Like the, the top leadership of Hamas, they're all worth, like, hundreds of millions of dollars. And they all live overseas. They're being sheltered in uh, UAE or Qatar or wherever it is they're holed up. One of them just did an interview. This was kind of comical, actually. Let me see if I can uh, bring this up. Um, I don't know if this... Oh, I'll have to find it in the next break. Um, He gets up and storms out of a BBC interview. (laughs) Oh, here it is. Here it is. You say this was a military operation, but the result of it was that hundreds of civilians were killed. Because the area is very white and there are many people there and there was clashes and confrontation. It's not confrontation. You invaded houses. Details what happened inside. But I, I can tell you that we didn't have any intention or decision to kill the civilians. How do you justify killing people as they sleep, you know, families? How do you justify killing hundreds I want of people this, uh, uh, in... I want to stop this interview. There he goes, and he walks off. I went to stop this interview, pulls off his lapel mic, and or his lav, his lavalier mic, pulls it off and drops it. You hear what he said, that there were confrontations. Oh, and the reason why it happened was because the, the area was wide. Or, or not very wide or, or narrow. I don't know really what that had to do with anything. This was a wide open desert, right? This was an open air festival that you guys, you guys broke through the walls and paraglided over. And, and he says, though there were confrontations. What, what was the confrontation with the, uh, with the infant, by the way? I have audio also from the, uh, they call him, uh, I think they call him the, yeah, the Green Prince. His name is Mossab Hassan Youssef. He is the son of one of the founders of Hamas. And he is not on the side of Hamas. I've got that audio. Probably do that in the next hour. Well, yeah, probably do it in the next hour. There's also this story. Hundreds of people, did you see this video out of, a place probably nobody has heard of, Dagestan. I think is how they 
It's in Russia. It's a region in Russia. And hundreds of people stormed the main airport in Dagestan looking for Jews. They heard that a plane was coming in from Israel. And so hundreds of Muslims stormed the airport and began kicking in doors, searching throughout, going into restricted areas as, as, as much as, I mean, I don't know. Does Russia have a TSA? So they're, they're just swarming all over the place. They found one guy who was actually um, not Jewish. Uh, I forget what his uh, ethnicity was or where he was from, but he was like, we were just coming back because we had to get surgery for his kid. And Israel was the only place they could get the surgery. Far be it for me to suggest, you know, these economic juggernauts uh, uh, like Russia uh, might not be able to provide top-of-the-line health care, but they went over to Israel to get health care for their kid, to get an uh, operation or something. They didn't find any Jews. And Putin is very, very upset about this. Oh, yes, he's going to get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think that that wouldn't have happened if Putin didn't let it happen? This is Putin, right? This is Russia. Come on. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Um, all right, so let me go over here. Oh, yeah, this uh, this audio from this Hamas spokesman who, like, starts whining, ah, stop this interview, because the reporter, by the way, the reporter in that clip is Hugo Bachega, and he is interviewing Ghazi Hamad, and good for Bachega, good for him, good for Hugo, for asking those questions to the point where the Hamas guy doesn't want to answer because he can't. See, this is the problem when you commit these kinds of atrocities and you broadcast them and you celebrate them. And then when people are revolted by it and it prompts the war you asked for. You don't get to play victim anymore and you can't you can't say that you were all you were not targeting civilians. It's impossible. You slaughtered 1400 of them. Like, I would hate to see what it would look like if you did target civilians. What else would you have done? The IDF, Israeli Defense Forces, has captured brutal videos of Hamas's atrocities that Hamas recorded themselves. They've also captured the orders that were given to the invaders. And the orders, I mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago, because when they... You know, Israelis fought back, some, the very few that had arms. We have our winner. What's the name? Mr. John. Mr. John. It's not it's Mr. Weird... His first name is John. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that's a weird Mr. first name. Yeah. Mr. 
John. John, where from? Uh, I think Charlotte. All right. Congrats, yeah. John, with the uh, gift card win. So save your calls. Monroe. Oh, Monroe. From Monroe. Monroe. All right. Uh, so John and Monroe, congrats to you, sir. Um, he won the uh, Bonefish gift card. And we have one every day this week? All right. So we'll, you got four more chances. One per day. All right. So these terrorists captured or that were killed or captured, um, they had orders on them. Some of them are carrying the instructions on on how to take the hostages, what to do with them, the promises that were made. One of them told an interrogator uh, that they were promised, you know, $10,000 and an apartment, a free apartment, if they brought back a hostage. Um. And as I mentioned earlier, when he says, oh, there were confrontations, this Hamas spokesman says there were confrontations. How could there be a confrontation with infants? Federal officials, by the way, are warning that members of Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah could be crossing through the southern border. That's according to an internal October the 20th memo obtained exclusively by the Daily Caller News Foundation. The San Diego Field Office Intelligence Division of Customs and Border Protection sent the memo warning that due to the war between Israel and Hamas, there could be encounters of terror-tied individuals who are seeking to travel to or from the Middle East via transit across the southern border. Hamas, uh, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, or PIJ, and Hezbollah, all of which are U.S.-designated terrorist organizations, have been committing attacks in Israel, uh, in a war that began with a surprise attack on October 7th. Um, amid record illegal immigration at the southern border, Border Patrol has recorded a major influx of encounters of individuals whose names appear on the terror watch list. Border Patrol encounters with illegal aliens on the watch list at the southern and northern borders hit 172 in fiscal year 2023. 172. And that is up from 98, the previous fiscal year. So that's double. The latest warning of possible terrorist encounters says federal border authorities should look for indicators that include military-age males, military gear, lone travelers, and ties to the region. I guess that's if you're able to actually encounter them and start talking with them. Um, I don't know, that seems kind of profiling, you know? Are we allowed to do that anymore? I mean, right, if we are, if we are attempting to suicide our society, our, our culture, the whole Western culture, like, why are we even, pro- we should just be letting them in, right? I mean, if that's the intention here. Because it seems like that that's kind of the intention. I don't know, that's what it seems like. All right, a uh, a warning for the next hour. It's going to be graphic, but it has to be done.